first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. As soon as I got myself my first PC, I knew I had to try and make a game. And a couple of weeks later, I already knew that I will never be a programmer. Like, never. Uh, but I just kept writing stories, and, 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 and I tried happy, ha- hacking uh, games like um, those that were shipped with, with, uh, with DOS. Uh, mm. It had a couple of basic games, and I tried to... like. There, there was this game called Nibbles, or Nibbler, or whatever, uh, like a Nokia Snake type of thing. And mm. I uh, hacked it to be like the mm, like the laser bikes from Tron movie. Yeah. And, 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 and but that, that was it. That, that was like my limit of, of, you know, of programming aptitude. And then uh, there was this, uh, amazing piece of software called Click and Play by Click Team. Uh, that was basically a what you see is what you get gaming edit- games editor for Windows uh, based on Amos, I believe. And that's how I made my first game at, at 14 years of age and then everyone at my school played my first game. And I felt like, all right, this is this is this is probably it. I still enjoy writing and and doing all that stuff, but but making games is 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 going to be a huge part of my life. And then I went through testing games, through marketing at GOG because I was a part of the marketing team at GOG. That's how I met Fred from uh, from Freedom Realms, and that's when I met. Uh, Dave Oshry, uh when we were launching uh, Rise of the Triad at GOG, and I just you know stuck with it. I, I just stuck with doing gaming related stuff for most of my life. Well, and my adult life, anyway. So that's actually an interesting point. Is like when you you meet those guys when Rot was coming out. Did you already like kind of think maybe one day you would be releasing a game that was analogous to that, like the rise of the boomer shooter? Sort of, even though Elderborn is a is not really a shooter, but uh, well, I think, I, I, I think it still fits. Uh huh. We we like to call it a boomer slasher. Well, the, at the time, uh, when Rise of the Triad was coming out on GOG, I don't think there was any hype for those kind of games. Like, GOG was a special place because we had all the classics, 
and Rust of the Triad was launching side by side with games like Chasm the Rift or or I don't know. I don't believe he had Duke back then, but uh, there was plenty of old school shooters on, on GOG. So uh, I remember the GOG crowd, which is very, very critical of indie games. Well, even more so back then. Uh, they were very skeptical about Rise of the Triad. And right. I remember I remember that it really took some effort to win them over. And and what you know what what the guys at New Bloods made with the game and and, and at Free Realms, like immediately released a path a patch and 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 an upgrade and and some additional content and they just kept adding to the game, uh, and and they connected with the crowd and and actually talked with people. That was a huge I think uh, thing. For the players as well, because they they, they they were used to the situation that the games, the, the shooters that they play, are already you know from from companies that don't really talk to people anymore because either they are already so huge that you can only talk to the community manager, or or they are long gone, and I think that a huge huge part of why the boomer shooters succeeded. As a, um, as a genre is 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 because it kept so close to the player. Like look at Dave Schmansky. he's basically you know he's an everyman. He just went and and and, and did task and uh, and won so many people over. He's very close to the to the community, and and everything that New Bloods does. We are great fans of New Bloods at Hyper Strange. Everything that New Bloods does is uh, really, really connecting with uh, with their audience. Uh, they are in constant dialogue, and 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 so is Running with Scissors crowd. The Running with Scissors Discord is is a, such a love lively place. It's it's such an active community, and 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 I think that this dialogue is what really stands apart the modern retro shooter and the corporate i would say stuff even even if you look like uh, at stuff like uh the recent doom games mm-hmm. yeah they are doing lots of stuff to connect with the community but you don't get to hang out with with the guys who made the game not really to actually push back a little bit like Hugo for a triple a developer working for a giant corporation is very active in like going into forums and chatting with people, giving feedback. Yeah. And, and, and talking to people on Reddit and, 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 and doing MAS and, and stuff like that and actually taking it into account. But you know, that's, that's one guy yeah. out of, out of the hundreds who made the game. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's what really sets the boomer shooter apart from, from all the other games. It's, Coming out of the community, I think. And I think for that, yeah, if I may, um, yeah, it's your show. Go like, ahead. No, it's your show. You've been listening. That's my line. That's supposed to be what I say. <laughs> I say that like every epic man. Wojtek did too much homework. Uh, I was just going to say that you're talking about the fact that you know the days of talking to the community manager like directly are kind of gone. And 
I think part of it is that what you're already kind of going toward, I think is the, the smaller companies in general is just not as many people, you know, it's um, something like three, I mean, three realms is growing pretty substantially, Yeah, but uh, new blood or whatever. If you want to talk to the CEO of new blood, you go on Twitter and you're almost guaranteed to get a response. Uh, and yeah. that, I think that precedent was set, you know, back in the nineties with 3d realms and, and Apogee and, and to even go a bit further with its software, because I mean, you could talk to the server yeah. And, yeah. and expect to see John Romero playing the game pretty much any time. Um, so I think you're right. I think there's a culture around this kind of game and the fans of this game that expect that sort of thing, but Please continue on your <laughs> on your side of the story. I wasn't a part of uh, the team that envisioned Elderborn. It was just the guys. Well, they found Hyper Strange to make Elderborn uh, back in 2015. So if I was going to go all dramatic, I would say that on the day of the solar eclipse 20, 2015, Hyper Strange was born because that's that's actually what happened. The the, the moment that they were signing the the papers to to, to make it a company was the moment of of the total uh, sun eclipse. But what motivated them was uh, Dark Souls and Doom, well, yeah. Quake and Doom, and they knew that they wanted to make an action game. Uh, they knew that they wanted to be over the top 80s style with like really, really heavy Conan vibes, like stuff like that. Like Robert E. Howard penned the, the script for the game. Is there a guy on the team named Robert E. Howard, or are you talking about the guy that wrote Conan? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I said it was like Robert E. Howard, but that would be amazing. Okay. That would be okay. amazing. Have a Robert E. Howard on the team. Uh, so. Uh, I think that they very often said that their direct inspiration for the game was uh, actually uh, Dark Forces, the uh, the the, the uh, Star Wars shooter, the classic Star Wars shooter, because yeah. of how the levels were constructed uh, and 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 how uh, colorful it was and uh, how action packed it was. So they thought that they want to make a game as complex and as engaging as Dark Forces, as colorful as My Little Pony, <laughs> and, you know, He-Man and Conan vibes. And I met them when I was a business manager uh, at a publishing uh, house called Clubator. Uh And we were uh, hunting for uh, new titles uh, in Cologne, so I, I've met two guys from Warsaw in Cologne during <laughs> Gamescom, and they presented me their game. And I was like, oh, yes, we have to publish that. We really need to publish that. And uh, we started talking, and then the guy that uh, founded the, the publishing uh, company, Club Butter, whom I really respect and, and I really can get behind most of his business decisions. Uh, at the moment, he said that, no, 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 this, 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 this is too big for us. This is going to be too expensive. This is going to drag too, too long because that's only two guys making the game. He was right on all the words. It, it, it dragged long <laughs> and they couldn't make it in, 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 in a team of two. 
uh, and he decided to pass on the title. And soon after, I, I quit my job there. And uh, after just a short break, I uh, met up with the Hyper Strange guys and, and we started talking and uh, decided that I would write Elderborn and help with marketing. And now I'm a part of the core team and I'm uh, actually the head of publishing at Hyper Strange. But it was Elderborn that won me over uh, because I really saw the game and, and thought this got real, real potential. Like this is this is Dark Souls but Doom. This is this is exactly what I wanted to to exist. Elderborn took a long time to to finish, and we had a publisher at some point, and then we split ways with them because uh, well they didn't really do anything for us, and and I convinced the guys that we should publish Elderborn ourselves because. I was convinced that I know how to do it. And the one thing that we got from our publisher was a bit of a trouble because they really wanted to do early access. So uh, Hyper Strange did early access for Elderborn in 2018, and it was terrible. Like, the, the, the sales were non-existent, the... The audience thought the game uh, was half-baked and uh, there was too little of the game to speak of. And, well, it didn't sell well in early access and got a lot of flack from the community for not being what they imagined it would be. But that's where the greatness of Elderborn began because uh, having all that community feedback, uh, having people trash it in all sorts of ways, really, really helped the game to grow. And and we took cues from everything that people told us. So it took another year and a half, almost, to, to go through all the early access and, and to emerge from early access on, on January 20, 2020. And yeah, emerged victorious, I, I, I might say, because in that time we, we've made the game still not perfect. It still isn't perfect, and it was even less perfect then. But it was good enough to sell pretty decent at the point, and we got even more feedback because more people paid it. And at that point, I'm sure you know Jim and Leaves the YouTuber, uh, whom we really, really like. And and he was kind of rooting for Elderborn, and, and he uh, played it when we launched in, in, in January. And then he messaged me on Twitter saying, dude, I'm not going to do a video Elderborn just yet because I would need to trash it, and I don't want to break your limbs. I, I don't want to... And your company. And he just wrote a little review on Steam, which is way, way less impactful, and he gave us his feedback. And based on that feedback we and, and, and the feedback from 
the rest of the community, we've made a, a huge update in a couple of months later, uh, improving every aspect of the game uh, from the UI to core gameplay controls. Like uh, People were very, very uh, much annoyed with blocking, queuing, and, and, and stuff like that, and and some some of attack queuing and in a melee game it's it's like do or die and and we didn't get it right immediately we thought we did because we are following the traditional dark souls style of fighting and it turned out it didn't work very well in first person perspective so based on that feedback we we've changed it we've changed a lot of things and a couple months later, uh, when Jimen actually did go back to the game and, and published his his video, it was like it was like another launch. So we, we've actually had better numbers on on, on on that than on the actual launch. And the game lives on, and and we've just had another uh, featuring on Steam. We were the daily deal on the Steam. Uh, main page uh like two days ago the game still really really surprises people because of how niche it is we don't really do much uh of a widespread marketing because right can you know you can go with the game to your to, to the masses but it's 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 a first person melee game so it's really not for everyone and we know that, but every time someone who enjoys such things, like someone who played a lot of uh, Dark Messiah of Magic, or even all this, like, Dybald Sword, or stuff like that, when someone discovers Elderborn, someone like that discovers Elderborn, they, they fell in love, like, immediately. And we got a lot of people saying that, oh my god, this is a hidden gem on Steam. We prefer for it to be the hidden gem on Steam, while we give Postal brain damage all the spotlight. It, it's like a, a little engine that could story, you know, because uh, it's not something that a lot of people like, believed could ever be anything. Yeah. Uh, just right from the get-go, that this game is like way too ambitious for a small team. Uh, no, no fucking way that will ever happen. Like, it's just my initial. Yeah, it started with a team of two, then evolved into a team of ten at the end, you know, it was like 10 people working on the game. That's that's really huge and ambitious. And we still do think that it could use more content. And, and we're going to get there in due time. Because that's always going to be our first game. Uh, the, 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 you know, the, the prodigious sun. <laughs> and, and yeah. It's a wild game. It's really, it, it really is a wild game, and I really do hope that it, you know, in time, it achieves, you know, the status of, of like a cult classic, you know, that not everyone knows about, but those who do really, really have fond memories right. of it. And when you're talking about your, your marketing campaign for it, it being, you know, just kind of leave it to the audience to find it it worked because the, the way that i actually found it was when you guys did a i think it was like a four pack steam sale with uh with zan of Heden and uh, bruno he was doing nightmare reaper and i can't remember who else but your game really stood out because i mean their games 
it, it was it was project project warlock yeah project warlock hidden project warlock yeah yeah, yeah and and i'd already been a fan of all three of those games and i'd never heard of your game at all and when i saw it it just it stood out because like what is like this is so wildly different than all the others but i i was looking at the graphics and everything and i'm just like how and like how why is this not like a triple a game or like why are they doing the sale with these guys? and not nothing against any of those three there i'm huge fans of all three of those games and zan yeah great game zan and bruno are like my best pals but yeah it just stood out so much is like this is incredibly beautiful graphically and also b- because of the theme it's not really something you see every day you don't see other than conan the barbarian you don't see a lot of games that kind of mimic that style anymore and i was totally fascinated and when i did finally get around to playing it i was kind of blown away by a lot of the stuff that i've already mentioned um, but i was expecting to walk into this and it be like a very dark souls-esque in in terms of combat and luckily i didn't see that version of the game so it was awesome i love the brutal smashing and like the, the i love the way that the different weapons kind of change your speed and movement and like you guys really nailed it i think with the uh the way that that dynamic plays out for the player do you do, do you know the game it's it's a i don't remember the studio it's a spanish studio and it's a classic game called severance blade of darkness i've only heard the name i'm not familiar with the game itself okay so in severance you are it precedes um, Dark Souls by a couple of years, and even Demon Souls, and even the, the the game that came before it, Knights, whatever I don't remember. But you would uh, explore this uh, ancient ruins, and, and 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 it's full of you know full of enemies, and you will find weapons, and every weapon has its particular move set. And it changes your playstyle if you if you switch from a sword to an axe or, or stuff like that. We went after that. We wanted to you know have all those different move uh, move sets to, to alter the playstyle. And ideally, we wanted people to switch the weapons as they go. But yeah, most of people default to one one weapon for most of the runs, I think, and that's I think okay that too. The right way to do it. I don't know if that was by accident or not, but. Like um, so, the thing with Doom Eternal is that you absolutely must use every weapon and and all that kind yeah. of thing. And and that's always been true. It's forced on you. It, it's always been true in Doom that there are certain weapons that are better in certain encounters. But having the freedom to choose, I think a lot of people liked it prior to Doom Eternal's release. And that was like one of the criticisms that people who don't, which are few and far between, and there's most people really love that game. But the people that didn't like it were like, "Well, I want to have the freedom." And in your game, I had the freedom to play it the way that you intended or to and what i did most of the time was run around with the spear which because i like moving really fast and uh, that's to me that's just good game design that players i think they want to feel free to do whatever they want you know yeah and i made sure to add some taste to the exploration like you you, you can fight all those bits of of, of the story and to my dismay most people think that there's no story in Elderborn. Uh, and, and there's are those who complain that, well, compared to Dark Souls, it doesn't have that you know story that's unfolding. Well, it does if you follow it closely. But then again, every now and then, there's a person who, who tweets or, or writes a Steam review saying, 
huh, that game had a pretty, pretty decent story that unfolded before me as I explored. And that really makes my day every time. I mean, <laughs> with the epic cutscenes and the, the beautiful artwork that you guys did for that and all the, uh, I guess, voiceover stuff that goes into that, it's kind of not what I expected. I thought it was great. I just was not prepared for it when it happened. I was like, oh man, like, cause again, I'm just thinking like, okay, this game was like a small team. <laughs> They're not going to have stuff like that. It's going to be very much dark souls. Like, and I was so wrong. And all you have to do is like, you know, pay attention. But for most FPS players, it's like, oh, cutscene, sweet. I'm going to go take a piss. I'm going to get a cup of coffee, smoke my cigarette, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that story is elder more or less. As as much sub- substantial as as in porn movie, so <laughs> it's it's not really you know it's not really necessary, but eh, it gave me something to do. <laughs> Plus, I really I really well, I went to uh, to the founders of Hyper Strange, uh, Lukas and Przemek, and and we sat the sat down and talked. What would be the best approach to? Uh, to launch Erdeborn, to, to promote it and to launch it uh, successfully. I already knew I loved that game. I already knew that I wanted to work with them. I already saw the potential. And I and I knew that the only way I could really convincingly talk about Elderborn uh, and, and, and you know spread the awareness among Doom players and Dark Souls players because those two strangely overlapping groups that that was our core target i knew that if i wanted to talk with them talk with them about elderborn i would need to be able to go there and say hey i'm of the i'm one of the guys making elderborn and i wanted to tell you about the game because that's what i believe would be the best approach to you know to to, to promoting it so i made sure that i can you know, say the truth, saying that, and and boy, did it really pay off! Really, Hyper Strange really took off after after Elderborn. Uh, we were uh, successful in convincing Chronic with Scissors that they should allow us to make a postal game, and that that that's hugely because of Elderborn. And there's, there's a lot of stuff happening in in Hyper Strange nowadays. There are like if you if you go to our Steam uh, publisher page, there's already a nice couple of games, and that's only like half of it that we are going to announce soon. So so it's because we are not only producing games now, but also publishing, and still the Doom audience and the Dark Souls audience is still our core target in a way. Uh, mostly because of what place we want to take in the game development community. We want to be its software, you know, but just all those years later, uh, I think we do have the same passion. I think we we have the same ambition to really bring that, you know, heavy metal vibe and, 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 and all that Badassitude, that's a little bit, you know, uh, rough on the edges, but 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 so very enjoyable. And that's why we are always interested in all 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 stuff Doom related, 
That's why you can see that we are about to launch a game called Jupiter Hell, which is a it's a roguelike game, but it's basically Doom. It's by Cornel Kishlevich, who famously made the Doom roguelike, which is no longer called Doom roguelike because Bethesda came hard on his ass at one point. Even though this it was a free game, they didn't you know like it to 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 hold the Doom Doom name even as a fun project. So so he went like, okay, I'm going to make a sequel and, and call it something different. And that's how he came up with Jupiter Hell. And and when he launched his Kickstarter, uh, it was the only ever campaign backed by John Carmack. It was the only campaign that, only gaming campaign that Carmack ever backed. Uh, and they even had some uh, even had some interaction on Twitter, and it may or may not be the truth, uh, but it was hinted that Doom RPG that Carmack famously made uh, was a little bit inspired by Doom Roguelike, because Doom Roguelike uh, it, it's it's like 2002, I believe. And, and and Jupiter Hall is its direct, you know, um, spiritual success. Spiritual successor, exactly. Okay. So Jupiter Hall is actually a game almost twenty years in the making, you could say, uh, and it's in early access since uh, two thousand nineteen, and it's launching in full in in August on August fifth. And really, if you ever wondered uh, how would Doom play as a turn-based tactics roguelike game, that's that that's it. That's pretty much it. So everything Doom related always inspires us, and and we really really uh, like to cater to that crowd. Since we're already talking about Jupiter Hell, I I did not realize you guys were publishing that. It took some convincing. I know Cornell. I I, I know Cornell since. Well, 2000s, early 2000s. And he never wanted a publisher. Well, if we are talking indies, Cornell is the core of the core of indie game development. And, uh, well, it's partially that he wanted to get closer to our crowd because Elderborn players might be interested in, in, in stuff like Jupiter Hell. Uh, but mostly it's because we really do enjoy the same, same vibes. We do really understand each other and we are already doing stuff for him as a publisher that he, well, he didn't imagine were, you know, possible for an indie game. So we are making his life a lot, you know, easier in those, in those final months and what we are getting in, 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 um, uh, in return is Jupiter Hall in our catalog, which I'm very proud of because it's really a hell of a game uh, and it fits so well with our catalog. Uh, I'm so happy that I managed to convince Cornell to do that. But you, you're going to see in August that this this is going to be like the next point of interest for you know Doom fans. Maybe even to an extent to RPG fans because it's it's a really 
in-depth uh, roguelike game with with all the all the mechanics you would expect from a roguelike game, a classic roguelike game, not a roguelite game, but with graphics and and oh, and it has Mark Mir voicing the character, so you have basically Doom guy uh, in a tactics game voiced by Commander Shepard. <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a bit of a gem. Yeah, what we're seeing a lot. I think lately is indies that obviously they see publishers as almost the enemy, which in some cases they can be. Hopefully, you know, you've, you guys have built the reputation of not being that way and that's great. And there's, you know, we've already pretty much mentioned all the other companies that kind of fall into that category anyway. No, we didn't talk about Devolver, not one bit. (laughs) I guess you're, you're right. We did not mention Devolver, but now we have. Uh, but what I, you know, they, they don't necessarily need, uh, the money even, especially if they, you know, they use Kickstarter, Patreon, stuff like that. They don't even really need help in a lot of cases because a lot of these guys and a lot of the newer technology can, they can knock out a lot of shit with just the tools that they have to make a pretty interstellar looking game and playing game. But marketing is, uh, the biggest thing that I think a lot of publishers have to offer. You know, there's a huge difference between ultra kill, the indie game and ultra kill, the new blood you know, game. Sure. Um, and it makes a huge difference just to have that branding and to have, you know, someone else handle your marketing for you. And you want, you know, uh, I was, I was about to say Dave Oshry is a marketing genius. I have no, he just like fails his way to success <laughs> as a marketer. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That's, if, that's the, yeah. That's the best way to say it. I think. <laughs> and the same thing with Mike J this exact same. Like I, I was just telling this to Alex Pixie and in, in chat, we're getting ready for realms deep and everything. And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't understand how the fuck these two motherfuckers can, sorry, too many F words, can be the people they are. And <laughs> it's all charisma. It's like just hyper charismatic yeah. over the top. They're like wrestling characters and I love them. Yeah. But uh, the question ultimately that I wanted to ask was like, what, because you are the marketer here, like what, what is it that you guys feel that you bring to the table for any indie developer who's interested in working with hyper strange? Well, uh- Switching to my full-on marketing mode, I do believe that it's not the marketing that sells games. The games sell games. Sell games. It's you don't think of the new blood catalog as oh those guys who make those those those, those all the uh, crazy marketing stunts and 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 have that you know. Very, very endearing line of communication. You think about yeah. when you're thinking New Blood. You think uh, with titles. You, you you think New Blood. You think Dusk. You think Amid Evil. Stuff like that, you know. I think that the only successful way to, to position yourself for sales is to be a part of a catalog of games that, you know, your crowd enjoys. So we took it from Elderbone and 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 went from that. Uh, then we've made another small shooter to to extend that catalog, and then we started to talking to to talk to people who you know I thought would fall into the same categories. And I can already see it working because our publishing efforts are. Oh, maybe there are not you know yet. On New Blood's level, like New Blood's, all those years ago, 
at the same point as 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 uh, as hyper strange but i think we're going to get there because we i i know all those fantastic titles that i already have you know in in, in the catalog ready to announce and and i know that our crowd our players are going to really enjoy those those types of games i think that marketing only gets you as far as um awareness but being aware of the game and really getting invested in it indies don't have that budget because you would really need to put your game on every corner and not just you know the logo not just the poster not not just the key art but actual bits from the game like uh like i think maybe 2K is doing with Borderlands. They plastered all the internet with bits and pieces of of Pandora and all the other planets. It's it, you, you could really uh, immerse yourself in the game before purchasing it, and yeah. it takes a huge, huge marketing budget to do just that. If we were to do the same thing for, let's say, Elderborn. We could only, you know, put one guy on the corner and, and yell, Hey, everyone! The city in Elborn is called Jurman! It's a joke about your mom! Isn't it funny? And that's pretty much all we could do on the budget. So that's true for all indies, I think. So position... To be able to position yourself among other games that people that you know uh, your crowd enjoys, it's 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 worth its weight in gold. But we do have marketing budget as well, so so we can you know extend those efforts. So we can do a little bit of both, just enough awareness, and then convincing people that okay, this is this is a game of the type that I would enjoy. And it's it's a little bit of you know, uh, I'm not Mike J, I'm not Dave Osri, and I know those guys, and I also know like people like Brian Fargo, um, because I worked with him uh, for 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 some time. I was his publicist in in, in Eastern Europe, and I know that it takes a lot of charisma to to really be the face of your catalog and be the face of your game. And it's it's one in a million. But even those guys always try to, you know, keep a profile for all for for all the film things that they, they are they are putting out there to make it recognizable, to like imprint them, them themselves on it. And like I said, Brian Fargo, he's a, he's an indie at heart. Right now, In Exile was acquired by Microsoft, as you probably know. So he's for the first time in years, he doesn't have to do Kickstarter uh, when he launches a new uh, new production. And I was talking to him like two weeks or so ago, and and he was like, "Man, I'm so excited for the game I'm making." 
I'm so, so excited. I can't tell you what it is yet, but I'm so excited. Uh, and I, I, I could only respond, but dude, I, I know exactly what you mean. I'm so excited by the games we are making and publishing right now. I can tell you that. I can tell you what, what we are making except for Postal and, 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 and some other stuff. But boy, is it exciting to, 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 to work on, on, on games that you personally enjoy. And and I think that's that's what's happening with Dave and and what's happening with Fred because those guys are really into the games that they are publishing. And Mike is is like the embodiment of Postal for me, except shooting people probably allegedly. He he invents our their personas. Like I mean. I talked a lot about this with each time that I interviewed both of them. And like, they do have something of a thing that they turn on for the marketing, but like, that's their real person. It's like, like I said about wrestling characters, you know, stone cold, Steve Austin is just Steve Williams turned up to 11. He's still that guy. He's just not quite that extreme, you know? And, and I think that resonates. And I think that's part of why the fans love them so much is because they, they feel a personal connection to them. And I think that's probably the strongest marketing tool that I know of is you know making that connection because once they've decided you have this catalog of games and they're all awesome and you have you know a community that's communicating with us and they can depend on you for that it makes a huge difference something you said earlier about how you know you have to let the catalog speak for itself it reminded me of a interview i heard with uh, paul stanley from kiss uh this is probably a really old interview but he he said oh yeah you know we had the makeup and we had the you know the pyrotechnics and the, the great live show and everything but, you know, if if the songs didn't kick ass and sell records, then we would have just been a joke. You know, we would be a bunch of grown men in makeup. But because the songs, you know, because of Detroit Rock City and all that shit, we, we stuck around. We were able to, like, actually turn it into something. And I think that really sums up kind of your point there. It's It's so important to have the substance there because i mean there's a lot of triple a companies right now that are plastering games all over the place like like you said they're on every corner and and their games actually don't have any substance because they're these like giant corporate soulless tweaked things and and that's not true of all triple a's of course but it, it is a growing growing problem no sure and i don't know i think what you're what you're describing and what you're doing is it's what makes companies like hyper strange like Three Realms, Running with Scissors, blah, 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 all the way up and down the line. Night Dive Studios, like th- that's what makes these companies so cool and dependable for the fans. Yeah, yeah. And and it's a lot about, you know, the, about the, I don't like to, you know, use the word creativity because it's a, it's a buzzword at, at this point. But the people that are really, successful at making games are the creative types are those people willing to experiment and base their you know decisions sometimes on a whim yeah it's not, not, not a, Excel. a boardroom of uh, executives that are looking at graphs of like recent sales yeah. and all that like nah that's not what's going on here it's like this is what i want to make and it's something you were kind of getting into as well like working on the game that i want to make because i yeah. like it and, and and people like to play those play yeah. those games for that reason, because they feel that someone's soul was put into it. That's why I think that many 
uh, game developers that are successful kind of think of themselves as rock stars. And in a way, if they are successful, it makes them rock stars because they get fans and they get all, all, all the rock star treatment. And I think it's very codependent. The stardom, you know, and and the success of the game. If you don't feel like a star making your game, it's it's probably not going to, you know, speak to, to the player as much as it could. It's a very people want to. It's a very American yeah. entrepreneurial thing when um we were you know we have this idea here that you know anyone could come here and if you work hard enough and you try hard enough you'll be successful and that's not necessarily always true but i mean that's the the, the quote the american dream to kind of put it that way and that's true in many other countries as well but that that's just like the phrase that people use that sums it up and what you're talking about with you know someone who just takes a takes a risk and tries something new when they do become successful and that's actually few and far between not everybody does you know there's a lot of there's probably 99 failures for every success, but sure. The fact that they did like, when you get that moment where you're like, I made it, my little idea became something. And, and we're fed that story all the day. People love the, you know, I was nothing, you know, uh, Steve jobs and Steve Wozniak starting off in their garage and same thing with Bill Gates and, and everybody, you know, loves that story. Uh, Same thing with id software, just a couple of dudes that liked computers and like John Romero was, slaving away making games and publishing them in magazines carmack was just like a nerd like just banging away on his keyboard all day long coding weird things and and then they made millions of dollars and drove around in ferraris after that and there's something about that kind of story that really resonates with people i don't think that should be your expectation though i I get what you're saying about like you want to feel the success and be a rock star but i don't think you should enter into (laughs) indie game dev with the idea that you're going to be a millionaire as a result of that, um, maybe just like I'm able to pay my bills. <laughs> I disagree. I dis- I disagree. I think that if if you are going to really commit to indie game development, you need to get in that mindset. Okay. You really need to shoot for the stars. I think accept failure. Accept many failures probably even know when to stop you know but but if you if you don't want to be a star if you just want to make you know ends meet and 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 pay the bills maybe games isn't the way for you to go because there are already too many games we only need those exceptionals i think and uh, if you ask any of us any of us at hyper strange what is the ultimate goal of hyper strange uh they they are not going to tell you i i want to work in game dev and make games because it pays the bills everyone is going to tell you we are going to be a part of the game dev valhalla and i think that's really it's it's not even about the ambition it's 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 about you know, people who who want to achieve that stardom in game dev 
are those who make exceptional games. That's what I think. And and sometimes people don't expect it, and they suddenly become rock stars because of the talent and because of of hard work, but because it's always a lot of hard work. But you can, you know, hammer away at your little game for a couple of years and launch it and, and, and sell dozens of copies and, and, and just, you know, get depressed and resign. But if you spend those those years hammering at your at your game, thinking that, okay, this is going to be huge. Not just thinking, okay, this is going to pay my bills. I think there's a better chance that you will really succeed at it, that people will see that you've put your soul into it. Like, this is your everything. I don't know, maybe it's not so, but but I think that back in the days of Carmack and Romero, that was the only option, you know, for guys like that. You could endlessly make those little monthly games for soft disk and and that would pay your bills but you would end up with nothing or maybe switch to a proper IT job or you know or you could be working at one go and and be Mike Wilson and decide to you know drop from Microsoft and and do uh, devolver later and and it's not because eh, I want to pay my bills. No, it's it's because you have that rock star gene in you. I think it's a. I think we're kind of talking along the same parallel line. We're just like kind of on a different wavelength here. Um, I don't think that you shouldn't absolutely want to be successful, or you you don't want your game to be like the awesomest game ever. Yeah. I just don't think that the watermark for success has to be you know a Ferrari in a giant mansion, right? For a lot of people, uh, they no, no. It 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 could also be you know a Lamborghini <laughs> and a very nice cottage. It, it could just be it could or just a chateau. Like, um, I don't have to worry. I can do what I want to do. I can make the games that I want to make and reach the people that I want to reach and tell the stories that I want to tell. Yeah. While not having to do something else that is soul crushing. Like, you know, if you can, and I'm not just saying pay the bills, but I mean, if you can afford to have a, yeah. a decent house, okay, and an, a car that mm-hmm. gets you from point A to point B and spend all day long doing what you love. Uh, that's success. That's way better than working a fucking, you know, yeah. an industry job. And then on the side, coming home and have to slave away, trying to make your thing, maybe one day be a success. And then, you know, selling 12 copies on steam to negative reviews and like, Oh shit. Well, well that was my whole life. I just gave away. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you, you made me think about Luke Pope. Because you know, Luke's game are Luke's games are exceptional in, in every way. Uh Obradin, Papers Please, all, all of his games are really They're really exceptional, but does he think of himself as a rock star? I don't think so. And are those you know Games rock epics? No, they are more like you know those indie uh, recordings somewhere in 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 the you know uh, in the club stuff like that. So so but but he does exceptional things 
because he does them his own way, I think. So yeah, so maybe not ex- not necessarily stardom, but a bit of a to an extent, you know, unwillingness to compromise. I think. I think that um, I think you're totally right, and I kind of want to draw the analogy back to um, just software development in general, right? So, if you want to be really rich making software, right? The, the surefire way to do it is just make something so kick-ass and revolutionary. Like, and that could be your dream project. And then you get to a certain point and then Google approaches you and they say like, we're willing to pay like some scary, you know, dark smoky room full of executives yeah. amount of money for it. And, and you can do that. You can make that decision right then and there to sell your soul to the, I'm not saying Google is the devil, but I mean like sell your soul, sell your, sell your project <laughs> with the, pretty reasonable expectation that they're going to bury it because it was probably going to be competing with something that they were already working on. Right. And that's, you know, for a lot of people, they're like, I'm taking that fucking deal. I want to be a millionaire. It's pretty easy choice. But for some people they're like, no, I need to have my project out there with my name on it. And it has to, you know, become what I want it to be. And to me, that's like, more beautiful than, you know, I became a millionaire because I sold some shit to a, a larger corporation because uh, that's the rock star lifestyle. If you don't get the recognition, I mean, just cause you have a million dollars doesn't mean anyone gives a shit about you or, or sees what you can do. So it's like, it's kind of like climbing a mountain, you know, that, that could be success too. climbing Mount Everest. I, I climb Mount Everest. Like no one gives a shit, but you know, for you, you did it. You accomplished your goal. And it's about your goals, you know, and I think that we're both, again, talking on the same parallel line. It's just a matter of what you want. Yeah, 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 um, exactly. So with all that said, when you're when you're a millionaire, what kind of car are you going to buy? <laughs> I always joke around that I'm not really a petrol head and to an extent that I, <laughs> I drive a Kia Seed and I'm perfectly happy with it. And I don't think I'm going to switch anytime soon, but I always joked around that uh, I don't care what I drive uh, until I can afford a, a 1963 Chevrolet Corvette. And we'll see at the point when I can afford a 1963 Chevrolet Corvette if I care. And I, I suspect I still won't care. I, I just want to drive something that, you know, drives me to my space shuttle so I can launch off. Um, if that's what you call success, that's fine. I was, uh, I was interviewing uh, Loctar one time. Well, it was a while ago. It was like one of the earlier episodes of In the Keep. And, and I asked him, like, you know, what, what kind of car, if you had a dream, would it be? And I, I was thinking it was going to be like, you know, Lamborghini or some shit. And he's like, oh, like a Nissan. Something. I was like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> whatever. something like because he likes working on cars you know he doesn't want to pay someone a hundred thousand dollars every time he needs a service he's like no i want to like build it myself and all that so i get it nice (laughs) i can get behind that yeah well the problem with cars they can only only take you someplace else on earth and i want to get off so yeah 
I, 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 I really want to see the stars. So if that's possible, at any point of my life, I'm going out there. And that's going to be like, you know, okay, that's, that's, that's my success. I can see the earth from here. So let's get back into your, your stuff. So I did want to like touch a little bit more on Jupiter hell. Like, so what can we expect differently from it? And then other, you know, you, you've described it as like, it's a roguelite, but it's also doom. And first and foremost, the most striking thing is the visuals. I mean, the lighting in this thing is absolutely gorgeous. And I'm curious at what's going to make it different. You have seen nothing Ooh. yet, sir. You have seen nothing yet. It's again, it's an indie thing, but uh, most of indie stuff nowadays is either made in Unity or uh, or Unreal Engine uh, with some, you know, additions of, of of like Game Maker and stuff, you know. Not Jupiter Hull. Jupiter Hull is a proprietary engine made by Conroe from scratch. So the excellent lighting effects mm-hmm. that you see in Jupiter Hull are made from scratch by Conroe, and he's not done yet making them. And there's a huge graphical overhaul coming before the full launch. And we're talking like major, major shit. So it's it's it, the game is going to, you know, go up a tier or two, and that's pretty much you know what makes Jupiter Hall stand apart from all the other roguelikes because there's a there's plenty of roguelikes, like even the most classic ones like uh, Ancient Domains of Mystery, uh, have been relaunched. Uh, as as graphical roguelikes recently, uh, and and there are new ones coming. And well, Jupiter Hell is the visual roguelike. You you really get the environment, and it's a three D environment. So at some point, maybe Cornell decides to you know go first perspective or whatever. Uh, we'll see, or maybe even VR. We'll see. He's a little bit unpredictable. Uh, so, so you can expect many, you know, different things from Jupiter Hall at some point. But now he's focusing on finishing up the content, the content, um, putting the, you know, uh, the the defined polish on things, and really bringing the the one point on August. So there's still a lot of uh, because we we, we now get uh, monthly monthly updates, monthly content updates for Jupiter Hell. And when I read the change logs <laughs> that Cornell sends me, I'm always like, how is this even possible? Like, as an artist on the team, but all of the writing, all of the scenario, uh, all of the functionalities, all of the gameplay stuff, it's just one guy. And okay, he's been at it for 20 years now because Jupiter Hell is what became of Doom Roguelike and Doom Roguelike is uh, actually what became of... Well, Doom Roguelike wasn't the first uh, roguelike that Colonel made. The first one was actually Aliens Roguelike, which is still out there and you can play it and it's amazing. Uh, and it already, you know, back in, in, in early 2000s, 
it already has you know passed some limits on on what people thought that was possible in roguelikes because you would get okay it was ASCII art but it was fully animated like in Doom roguelike you can launch ASCII art rocket from your rocket launcher and you will see the changing colors the explosion everything in real time pretty much like in Jupiter Hall it's turn based but it's full of animation so because of this extremely long life cycles of those games and uh, how much stuff is put in it. It's really... Sometimes it's, it's just unbelievable of, of to, see, to see how much content goes in each of those updates and how, how much Cornell is willing to experiment even at this point to put like game-changing abilities in the game. And again, it's early access and he has a very active community. Like at this point there is a Jupiter Hell channel on on Hyper Strange server Discord. Uh but it's it's like one tenth our our whole disc Discord would fit in 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 one room of of Cornell's Discord for Jupiter Hell, and the community that he's got going is 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 is, is huge and so very active, and they are so very invested in Jupiter Hell. So again, even if he decides to do something really pos- possibly game breaking, like change stuff that is that is like a past part of the core gameplay. He gets instant feedback, and he gets you know opinions from hundreds of people. So that's how Jupiter Hall is evolving for for years and years and years. And I'm so very happy that it's going to you know come to fruition under the Happy Strange brand. But Jupiter Hall would would have made it on its own yeah. to an extent. I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure of that. I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy to give him an additional platform, you know. But I'm most of the time I'm just amazed by how amazing this and extensive this game is. It's a beautifully symbiotic kind of relationship that you're building with you know anybody that you work with right now. It's kind of the same thing that's going on with you and and running with scissors or you know any, yeah. so like you're elevating their brand by making probably what's going to be the best postal game ever made, like objectively the best (laughs) because it won't suck. Um, which is pretty, pretty low watermarked. Like, yeah, we are, we are discussing, you know, the slogan, the, uh, the, the, the least sucking game of the worst (laughs) series ever. Yeah. Uh, and it does have a sound. Obviously, I'm just you know throwing shit at Mike, but yeah. but you know you're elevating their brand, they're elevating your brand, and the same thing for, goes for Jupiter Hell. Like he, maybe he would have made you know fifty thousand sales or something like that in the first year without you, but if he makes a hundred thousand sales because of working with you, then it all works out. You guys look like a more legitimate publisher because you're publishing games. He looks like a more legitimate game because. He has a publisher that's kick-ass and has this other catalog of awesome games. It's um, 
I think you, I think you're nail, hitting the nail on the head. This goes right back to what you said earlier about marketing. Like, it just grow that catalog and show that you guys are. It's, a brand. it's all about relationships, yeah. really. It's all about relationships. If 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 you are not willing to consider uh, the developer you are working with as a partner, mm-hmm. if you are only looking after the money, that's 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 you know, that's a very one sided deal. And we are really convinced that it's about giving each other the boost, because we are, you know, we are getting stuff from from Jupiter Hell as well. We are we are getting more recognition because of Jupiter Hell. Uh, just like you said, we look more like a full grown ass publisher, and and you know, Jupiter Hell is really getting stuff that it wouldn't be possible. Without the additional funding, and uh, and and currently is getting more time to actually work on the game because he, on top of everything that he already does, he also did all the PR. So now he can you know just focus on the game. And as 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 you said, running with scissors really does uh, a lot of you know. Um, a lot of impact on our place in the in the in the gaming industry because we it's it we, we don't want to lean on running with scissors even though we could if we wanted to because they are really you know they're really happy with us and and they're very good natured people yep despite the you know all the roughness uh don't don't say don't don't tell Mike that I said that. You know, I'm sure he will not listen to this. I'm I'm quite certain he will not. Yeah, um, yeah. That 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 that's why. <laughs> please don't tell him. Uh, so when he told the audience of his own podcast uh, how uh, postal brain damage came to be, the story was. Uh, we took Hyper Strange, put the dick in the in their throat, and came really hard, and that's that's why they got impregnated with postal brain damage. And 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 you know, on the one side you have a story like that told on his podcast, and, and on the other side, we really feel that we have all the support we could dream of, and and that they are really you know partners for us. This is this is a very this is our very you know this is a healthy relationship that I wouldn't expect it to be. It's a uh, to put it in a way that Mike would understand. It's a sixty nine. You know, like he's coming in your mouth. Yeah, it is. Also coming in his mouth. Like, let's just be honest here. Uh huh. <laughs> perfectly, perfectly true. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I guess so. So that's that's the that's the that's the key to to to. Every good relationship without between you know yeah. gaming industry partners, whether it is two studios working together and maybe a developer and a publisher, like good old fashioned balance sixty nine ing. That's that's the key. I'm gonna have my wife listen to this. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> she she definitely wouldn't want to. <laughs> um, to to get back to. Jupiter Hell a little bit. I, I'm another thing that I wanted to know 
is when are we going to get away from this whole space Marine thing? Because they're not called space Marines anymore. They're called guardians. Right. Um, and I know this is like totally a doom play. Uh, like that's the, the what boomer shooters and nineties game people expect is the space Marine. Like we got to have that, the unnamed space Marine. But one, uh, one thing that you mentioned earlier was that we have this character, the Colonel who is being voiced and by, by an epic voice actor and everything. And, I'm I'm kind of curious because I've talked a lot about this on the show. Are you planning on kind of building an IP out of this? Like that that character can be, you know, translated into different types of games, but still kind of based in that reality, that universe. There's no end to Jupiter Hell. Okay. Like this isn't uh one shot. It's 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 an you know uh it's an endless stream. Jupiter Hell updates you know, it's it's like Jupiter Hell when it debuted on on Steam, it was like version zero point twenty three. That doesn't mean that there wasn't like a hundred playable versions before mm-hmm. that. So the the version that we currently have is zero point nine point nine. So the next version is not going to be version point one point zero. Yes, it's going to be. Zero nine point nine point one, and so on and so on and so on. And then after one point there are just going to be more updates. And it's it's as long as it makes Cornell happy, and as long as it makes the players happy, Jupiter Hell isn't going to end. Uh, which doesn't mean that Cornell doesn't think about making other games as well. And, well, we've been talking through some stuff and he's got really cool ideas what to do next, but I'm very, very certain that he's never going to (laughs) abandon Jupiter Hall, the game that he's been doing for almost 20 years now. Well, what I'm kind of getting at is that, so let's take Postal Dude, for example, right? He's been in lots of different games, but for now for like really the first time, we're seeing him in a game that is not the same kind of game that postal, you know, one, two and three were right. And to be fair, I guess postal one was sort of a different kind of game than two and four and three. Uh, and that it's, you know, not, not a three D <laughs> game. Uh, <laughs> but what is this postal? What is this? What is this postal free uh, mentioning? Because I, let are sealed, but, but you guys are making Postal Dude into a whole different type of game. And we saw this, uh, yeah. Devolver has been really cool with uh, doing this with Serious Sam and that, you know, there's the Serious Sam main series. And then there's even before that, the, the, the first one, I think the first uh, Devolver, successful Devolver treatment uh, was uh, Shadow Warrior, mm-hmm. another Warsaw based studio, our older brothers in, in Flying Wild Hog. What they did with Shadow Warrior. Uh, under Devolver was was that kind of makeover. Right. They they that took a thinking about like an IP that was a classic, just straightforward boomer shooter, and turned yeah. it into a, a a modern looter shooter kind of game. And another another IP that the people at GOG, the the, the players at GOG, were absolutely raging about mm. when uh, we were launching Shadow Warrior. The, the, the first modern Shadow Warrior on GOG, uh, it instantly 
got like one star reviews, like before people even had the chance to play it. Like this isn't Shadow Warrior. We saw the trailer; it looks nothing like Shadow Warrior. Why would you do such a sacrilege to to our favorite brand from the past? Like, and and then so many people just changed their minds when when they played the game, and to to turn it, you know, like one eighty for 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 so many people, it really took. Because that, that that really wasn't a you know a cult IP. Right. It had some following, but Shadow Warrior. Okay, who who, who is this Asian Duke Nukem? And you know where uh, Shadow Warrior is now. It's it's all you know thanks to falling with uh, flying White Hog, and that's 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 not the same with Postal, because Postal loot is very much alive and kicking yeah. everywhere. And it's 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 like a real renaissance for Postal. We're we're a part of it, a large part, and, and still growing because people are really getting excited for for Postal. Uh, actually, I, I've been talking to Vince yesterday, and he was like, uh, "A very odd thing happened to me yesterday at the supermarket." And he went uh, to to get his groceries and he had this uh postal 4 bandana i think i wiped off his desk with that bandana <laughs> <laughs> maybe probably <laughs> so he had it on him and 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 the cashier was like oh dude you've got something to do with the postal games and this like well, yeah, yeah, I, I do puzzle. Oh, cool. Do you know where when brain damage comes out? <laughs> so a random guy, you know, at the register asked Vince yeah. when is puzzle brain damage coming out. And uh, that's, that's, that's huge for us, you know. We, we've got some recognition from not just the core fans, but, you know, random people that know of puzzle. <laughs> but... It's it's not like we are redesigning the whole you know, the whole IP. Far from that. This is this is a spin-off. We pretty much get a blank slate for everything because it all happens in a dream. So we get to do whatever. Actually, I'm kind of fearing the day because like, I live in Tucson just like they do, and like that I walk into the supermarket and some guys like, hey. You're the guy that killed Mike J, and it could go one of two ways. <laughs> like I'm really scared because it could either be like, "I'm gonna kill you right now," or it could be, "Thank you so much, you did the war." Yeah, good on you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, like you said, man, uh, it is amazing because I think a lot of people are f- at this point far more into the like. I'm I'm rooting for postal. I've had many people tell me directly like that they were never really interested in the postal series until they saw the brain damage trailer because they're like that. I mean, yeah. you know, I always like the idea of it, you know, but I just don't like that kind of open world task based game, but I, but they do love first person shooters and yeah. not to say that postal doesn't have first person shooter elements, but you get what I'm saying. It's a, it's a different type of thing. And uh, mm-hmm. what I was getting at earlier was, you know, like we were talking about shadow warrior and uh, serious Sam, cause it, serious Sam had, 
again, the main series, but it also has like double D and it has uh, tormental. Like they, they really successfully made that character into more than just its main series. And uh, I think the same is also true of Duke Nukem. You know, Duke Nukem started off as a platformer, became Duke Nukem 3D. Um, we're, yeah. Then there was the forever thing, but th- there's a lot of other cool, like, you know, platformers and everything in between. And was something you mentioned earlier when you're kind of describing Jupiter hell is that, you know, perhaps we'll see like the VR version or the first person ver- version and all this kind of thing. And, and I'm wondering like, is, are you planning to do that with that character or are you guys even considering that? Well, uh, the first and the last word always comes from Cornell because that's his IP. Uh, we can make a case with Cornell yeah. if we think that something is, you know, sellable and, and attractive to people, uh, but it's his call. So he's a little bit like Carmack. If he considers it a challenge and, and something fun to do, he might do it. You're just going to ask the right way. you got to, like, talk him into thinking it was his idea. I don't really want to talk him into anything I because I really trust his judgment on that. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. If if I if I actually I already did put a bit of a challenge on Cornell uh, because we are doing something cool for the game that's not really compatible with the engine that he's made, so he has to figure out how to how to uh, incorporate it into well, the I'm game. sure you'll have many opportunities as a publisher, you know, to, you'll see like, oh, this is a, because not every game's about, the, you know, a character and pretty, even Elderborn, like you have a main character, but it's not like that's the selling point of the game. It's not like Duke Nukem where the personality is like what kind of makes you attached to it. So, um, but. Uh, quick question. Uh, Did you play as a male Baryon or Fenbarian? I, I played as a male. Uh, so you're in the 5%. I played as a male because I was just like, I don't know, click, <laughs> boom, get, let's get this, get this game going. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, people refer to Elderborn as a uh, thick barbarian chick uh, simulator, and that's that's most, for, for most people, is the default. Well, we got, uh, <laughs> we've got Heat On for that. I definitely <laughs> enjoyed the hell out of Heat On. <laughs> I, I, my friend I, i'll meant plug him on the podcast his name's uh red eyes green dragon does amazing amazing uh just stupid youtube videos and also a lot of the video work for in the keep but he did a review of heat on which was just like him and then next to a giant like cutout of the main character of heat on and he's just like looking like slowly upper thigh and then the ass and, and he's just like I saw the video, yeah. yeah. This is a <laughs> Heat on review, 10. <laughs> oh, man. And then uh, I guess we can kind of move towards wrapping this thing up with talking a lot more in depth about um, postal brain damage and then whatever else you want to talk about as well. So sure. like, give, us the, give us the elevator pitch for people who don't already follow brain damage. What's going on? Right. Holy fuck, Postal is a, is a boomer shooter now. <laughs> no, basically, uh, you know uh, what Dave Oshie does when he launches a new IP. He buys all the domains that, you know, some, in a way, tie in into, into, into like, the, there, there's a little elevator pitch in the domain name. 
for uh, for example for uh, Gloomwood. Yeah, it's called Gloomwood, I think. Yep. And the it, yeah. it's thiefwithguns.com or whatever. Exactly. So it's thiefwithguns.com. So uh, pretty soon I'll be buying the domain Postal at Dusk. <laughs> okay. And that's 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 yeah that's that's your elevator pitch. It's 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 Postal at Dusk. Although, admittedly, uh, we are going for much smoother gameplay than 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 Dusk. It's like here's another elevator pitch for you: Postal but playable. <laughs> We are going for the smoothest, uh, most responsive movement you would expect from a quick tournament game. You get all the works, including bunny hopping, dashing, on, on, on all sorts of things, you know, total control of the character. Fluid movement is, is the key for us. Plus all the very cool weaponry. Uh, because, well, you know what you get in postal games. You get a, f- a little bit of, you know, actual weaponry and a little bit of wacky stuff that, that you know, that that is that doesn't exist outside of postal verse. But we are since we are going into the, this head, we are turning it up to the to, to, to eleven and, and you will finally get to uh shoot that uh Brain fucker gun sixty nine thousand, and 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 you know the, the the shovel in uh in postal brain damage is 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 not a regular shovel. It's it's a, a chainsaw shovel. So so you get to you know do a lot of stuff that you wouldn't do in a regular postal game. Plus, you get to um, piss fluorescent yellow and green nastiness onto people and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be possible without it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's got a lot of, you know, it's got some genes of, of a regular postal game, but we've injected it with uh, a lot of um, Quake mm-hmm. and maybe Doom Eternal material as well. Uh, so it will feel like a very modern shooter game, uh, look like a boomer shooter game, while being true to the core postal game, a part of the postal game, uh, postal verse, and there's a lot of speculation uh, in the postal community uh, if uh, whatever happens in postal brain damage is going to be canon to postal verse, uh, which is very intriguing at the point of you know considering. Everything postal, uh, a coherent timeline, and and talking about continu- continuity in postal, but people do do figure out this stuff, and and we are very you know we're very respectful of the continuum, uh, even though this is you know all just a dream, and we could just as easily you know do whatever. I like to joke around that we get a free pass on everything that. Uh, we show in, in in the game because it's it it, it isn't real. It's just in, in his head. Uh, but there are going to be a lot of tie-ins to to the you know regular postal games, and it's a shared universe. It's 
Postal did exist in the Postal universe, and Postal brain damage exists within the Postal did. That's that's the answer I'm going to give about the continuity and 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 being canon. Since we're already kind of touching on it, I mean, are you doing the vast majority of the writing for this? So far, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh I do have, you know, I do have Ricky on my side so 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 I can consult everything. But we we are considering, you know, hiring some extra writers. Yeah. Because as much as a fan of Postal I am and, and as as much as, you know, uh I consider myself decent writer. I don't get to speak English as much. Uh as I as I as I write English, I've been writing in English for ten years, last ten years every day, uh, as a part of my work in gaming, and it did work for Elderborn, I believe. But I don't want you know uh, some language, you know, uh, things stuck stuck out like a, like a sore thumb because I'm not a native, right? So we, we we consider, you know, at least proofreading everything with the guys over at uh running with sh- with scissors, but um alternatively I'm 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 thinking about hiring someone who will uh write better so better jokes than I would and, and, and uh and who would you know understand America a little bit better. Because a huge part of postal is uh, it's 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 American, and I've never been to the states even. Oh, you can come to my house anytime. And we'll have a beer. I'd love to. I'm I'm getting vaxxed on next Friday, I think. Yep. So, well, I mean, like, let's put it this way: if you come to visit Running with Scissors, I'm right there. I'm like, I'll just come on over and we'll all hang out. Yay! But so. Yeah, maybe it would be a better idea for someone else to to chip in at least mm-hmm. to you know give it uh, some fine polish and 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 to make sure it's it's really American, not just what our you know Eastern Bloc thinks America is. Yeah, that, I mean, we already said the dirty word, so I guess we can address it again. Uh, when Mike first showed me the trailer uh, in his office, I was like, uh, first of all, jaw drop, like. I, I didn't expect it. He just told me like, well, we have this project that I think is like kind of right for, for realms deep. And I was, I mm-hmm. was the one who told Fred, I was like, we got to get running with scissors in like that. Th- they just make so much sense to be part of this. And I only knew about like postal two and postal four, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. And when he showed me that, I was just like, Oh fuck. Yeah, man. And, and I asked like, who's uh, who's developing? And he said, Hyper Strange. And I'm like, that's the that's the barbarian game people, right? And he's just like, yeah. I'm like, that's gonna be hella dope. And he shows me the trailer, and I loved it. And then I got I got to thinking a little bit more about it, and kind of kind of the theme of what you've been getting here is like, okay, so we're gonna have like this whole new perspective on Postal Guy, and. And already we had just changed voice actors. Like we had already just introduced John St. John as the postal guy. And, and if you're writing this, I'm like, are you working directly with John on that stuff? Or is it kind of a, you know, playing telephone thing? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not telling. It's going to be a, a big reveal at some point. Mm. 
So John is like my hero. I fucking love him. He's an amazing human being. Just like the nicest fucking person I've ever in. He's in the intro to the podcast, not because I paid him to do anything. He was just like, hey, man, you know, if you ever need anything, I'll do that. And I was like, <laughs> thank you. God bless you, John St. John. Um, and just like what, you know. What well, he, he is a saint, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what we've seen. So far, just the trailers and everything. Like I'm already enjoying like the voice lines and everything, but they don't sound too crazily divergent from anything that we've heard in the other games. Like I, I would believe it if they just said like, "Oh, we just took John's lines from Postal Four and stuck it in here." But I'm assuming there's going to be a lot more to it. Yeah, well, we are not cutting any corners. We are not piggybacking on any of the Postal games. We are not, you know, reusing any assets. Everything is done custom. For postal brain damage, uh, including the voice work, of course. Awesome. And then, um, still, I'm I'm not telling. That's fine. You don't have to tell. But you can assume. <laughs> I, I I can't stop you. So we're we're rounding the hour and a half mark here. We can talk as long as you want. We can take breaks if you need to. But like, if you would like to move along, no, I you know I. I, I, I wouldn't like to, you know, overstay the welcome because I don't really like... No, actually, personally, I really enjoy long podcasts, but I listen to them in small chunks. Me too. Yeah, so, so you know, um, as, for, as for Postal Brain Damage, we already know that we are going to... Uh, this, is, this is going to be a brand at its own, you know, because... Okay, it's 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 a part of the postal verse, and we are very happy to be a part of the postal verse. But the uh, the feedback we are getting from the people, the reaction we initially get got for the trailer, and then when we started actually st- showing stuff to people, we can already see this is this is this is going to. Uh, I'm torn between you know beating my own drum and and being modest, but fuck being modest. This is going to be awesome. I agree, hundred percent. Uh, Can't wait to play it. And you can already see bits of it on our Twitter, graciously retweeted by Paranicus Scissors as well. So you can get hints about the the style of the game, and uh, you've seen the announcement trailer. Well. Have been a part of it actually, but what you see in the announcement trailer comes from a very early mm-hmm. alpha footage, pre-alpha footage of the game. Uh, at that point, uh, we knew we were going to make postal. It was already a done decision, but the build that was used to uh, create the trailer was more of a proof of concept than actual, you know, part of the game. So. What you can see in the trailer is much in line with what you are going to see in the game, but the quality of the assets uh, is going to be much higher in in in, uh, in the actual game than you can see in the trailer. We are taking that, you know, that that dreamlike, nightmarish style. We are turning up to eleven, and uh, we are making sure it's got its very own, you know, distinctive feel. Like you are, if you, if you see Dusk, you instantly know it's Dusk. If you see, if you see Doom Eternal, you will say, oh, that's Doom Eternal, you know. 
And if you are looking at, you know, uh, games that are a part of this large wave of, of, of throwback shooters that's surfacing now, many of them look alike. Yeah. Like, that's... It's a huge problem for me. Like, you know, it's a little bit like from Random Generator. Put 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 a demon name in the front and uh, uh, and some action associated with shooter in the back, and you have the only title like Hell. Sh- no, that's that's an actual game. Hell Shooter. That's an actual game. Uh, are, are you aware of my we, war against Hell in the name of games? Well, Jupiter Hell. <laughs> I know. I was I was gonna bring no, it up but at it, some point. It, it makes sense, you know? It makes sense for Jupiter Hell. I'll, I'll actually go on record right now. Because Jupiter Hell's been in development for like 20 years, it gets a pass. So I'll, <laughs> Thank you. I'll make sure Thank you. Zach, Zach of E1M1 knows when you know when they write about it in, in the magazine or whatever that it gets the stamp of approval, the In the Keep stamp of approval. Uh, <laughs> hell pass. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. But, you know, uh, we want Postal Brain Damage to be everything but generic. It's a really important goal for us to to make everything about Postal Brain Damage to be cohesive and to stand out from from all that stuff that you can see uh, on Steam now. But we, you know, at at some point we even thought that we should spoof the whole uh, movement Mm -hmm of the throwback shooters. And, and when we knew that we are going to produce Postal uh, and we are already in pre-production for Postal Brain Damaged, and at some point there was this break uh, in the production cycle. We already finished up uh, Elderborn uh, and there was not much happening with Postal at the moment. Uh, we were make, we were waiting for, for the deal to go through with, with Run With Scissors. We had like... 10, 12 weeks of free time, most more or less. Uh, and it was uh, a heavy lockdown mode in Poland. And we had hired all those new people to Hyper Strange to work on Postal. And we figured out we should make a game. Uh, we should make a small game that's, that's, that's going to put us on the first-person shooter player's map because we've made, you know, a first-person slasher uh, with Elderborn, and we already got our boomer cred for that because that's a very boomer game. Uh, because if you if you haven't ever watched He-Man and the Bastards of the Universe, uh, you probably won't get you know uh, the, 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 all the kicks you could have from from Elderborn. So boomer cred was checked. We thought we we should also check the the shooter part of of, of the deal, the shooter cred. And we've made uh, a game which is our love letter to Devil Daggers. Uh, because at the point, we every, everyone in the studio was playing Devil Daggers. And uh, we were, you know, we would compete uh, for, for the highest score and, and, and passed a lot of time in Devil Daggers. And we thought, well, we, we should make our own, our own Devil Dagger type game. Uh, like put it our own uh, over the top grotesque spin on it 
and because uh, a huge part of the team is also in love with uh, Bloodborne, uh, we thought, okay, let's let's make something like that, some some something like Devil Daggers X Bloodborne or Devil Daggers X Painkiller, and make a really small, neat shooter game out of it. <laughs> but when it came to putting a title on it, we went and decided to spoof the whole trend uh, and gave it the most ridiculously generic name uh, we could come up with. So the game is called Crossbow Blood Knight. And it, it got noticed. There's There are some YouTubers like going through the game saying, what, what was it again? What was, was, was it called Benedict Cumberbuff? Or, or, or stuff like that. And, and, and that, that was a bit of a joke on our part to, you know, put ourselves right there between the hell shooters and, and demon killers and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I got a, and the a game? copy of Crossbow for my E1A1, E1M1 magazine subscription. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. We 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 gave away uh, crossbow to, to to everyone who uh, who backed uh, E1 one M one, and it achieved this. You know, it's it achieved its original goal because we got the shooter cred, and recently we gave away a few copies of crossbow, uh, which uh, at some point we also released on the Switch, mm-hmm. because that's that's another thing. Uh, Postal Brain Damage is going to be a console game as well, and it's from the from the get go. It's designed to work uh, nicely on the PC with with the standard mouse and keyboard layout, but from day one, it's also been designed with uh, controller in, in in mind, so we can put it on all the consoles, including the Switch. So, are are you guys doing the console ports, or are you shopping it out? No, we are doing it ourselves. Okay, because. Something I talked about a lot about with Vince was just like he was like very adamant, like you know, and this is probably more applicable to the prior postal games that you know were designed for PC and only PC. Yeah, um, but he was very adamant, like that you got to let a professional do that. You can't just like decide one day that you're gonna come back and do it and do a lackluster job and it suck. I mean, obviously. Yeah, well, we've we've already proven that we are professional at that as well awesome. because crossbow on 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 the Switch. It's it's like the smoothest FPS out there on the Switch. It it runs flawlessly uh, it, at at least forty frames per second, mm-hmm. even when you get a lot of enemies on the screen. So uh, it's been again uh, made with Postal in mind because we wanted to make sure that we can put even on the Switch, and we succeeded at that. So. Uh, you can expect Postal to, to, to make its way to, to, to all the consoles as well. But, you know, it, 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 it was a part of the, the, this whole trend of, of, of boomer shooters yeah. that we wanted, you know, to put our foot in the door. Now, is there anything else that uh, we can expect from Hyper Strange that you're allowed to talk about yet? Or is that pretty much the well because i know that i know that there is a super secret project i don't know what it is that's all i know oh zach told you i can't say that i heard from zach but i <laughs> am aware because I, i'm like 
I'm like Varys from Game of Thrones. Like I have little birds everywhere. You know, that otherwise I wouldn't be a very good yeah. journalist. Not that I'm a journalist, but you know, <laughs> podcaster. So uh, there's a lot of things happening at Hyper Strange, and in just two weeks we are actually launching one of the games that we publish, and it's a strategy game, uh, a bit of a city builder, a little bit of a RTS uh, with Vikings, you know, building a settlement. Uh, great looking game, and the funny thing is that all those amazing concept arts for Postal that you see floating out there are made by the guy who's the art director for the game as well. And that's kind of the thing that happened again because it's it's not only that artist that had a project on the side. Uh, we've hired another guy uh, to do the uh, 3D modeling and, 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 and some of the to the art and, and, and 3D art for Postal Brand Damage. And one day he comes to me and says, well, I would like to show you my passion project. So so that passion project of his became uh, another hyper strange IP uh, because we just, you know, we saw it and, and said, oh, oh, oh my God, this is cool. This is bloody cool. And really... Like it was a snap decision that that this should not only be published by by, by Hyper Strange, this should be this should be Hyper Strange all over. So uh, that guy became the core of the second team developing another game parallel to Postal Brain Damage. And this game is still not announced, but we hope to announce it maybe on Brunswick. Thank you very much to Wojtek for being on the show. It was absolutely awesome to get to spend some time learning from someone with as much experience in the industry as he has. Absolutely go pick up Elderborn right fucking now and make sure you go ahead and wishlist every other game on the Hyper Strange uh, Steam page or GOG or wherever you like to buy your games. That was so cool. Want to say thank you to all of our supporters. Obviously, thank you to Paul, Moose, Dots, Zach, Alexander, Brad, Red Eyes, Anthony, Robert, Jack, Brandy, Fred, Lord Revan, Tones, Igrak, Simon, and Morfer. Everybody at the Flam Fam, Mike, Zan, Bridge, Ben, and Donkey. You're all incredible. Everybody that you just heard, and a few other select people who are amazingly supporting in the keep via Patreon, or you can even go to our coffee page. Uh, just head over to inthekeep.com forward slash support. We got links to all that shit there. But they're all getting episodes early, including the next two episodes that I've already recorded, which are with Waffle Iron Studios and Major Arlene. So look forward to those. And if you are a subscriber, you get them as soon as I finish editing. So something to look forward to. But they're also all getting brand new, brand spanking new, in the motherfucking Keep t-shirts with the sick-ass new logo. So all y'all chumps out there who have the old one, well, keep it, because that's a fucking collector's item. And uh, I actually still have a few of those, too. I can pass out if people are interested in them. But the new logo is the new logo. Enjoy it. One more thing before I sign out of here. Make sure you tune in 
this weekend, assuming you're listening to the show, you know, when it comes out, the 15th, Saturday, Organ Grinder, Be There or Be Square, Tasty Spleen's Twitch channel, Don't Be a Bitch, I Love You All, The Drowned God Cathala Loves You All, and uh, let's just let the rest of this awesome song from Elderborn roll out. Peace.